want to welcome everybody back to the Coaches in the Mouth show. Uh, got a great guest today. We'll introduce him in a minute. We got uh, Coach Bray Cook, head coach of the P Ridge Blackhawks. We got the Mouth Brent Bender here, and special guest in studio, the head dog uh, at Fayetteville, head coach of Fayetteville Purple Dogs, Casey Dick. Casey, great, great to have you here today. I appreciate you guys for having me. It's always a pleasure to sit down, uh, visit with with great people, great coaches, and obviously talk a little ball. Well, let's get into it pretty quick. You know, we, we did a show last week with Buck James on here and all the movement gone into 7A Central. We, we, we did a recap story about it. And one thing we want to do is get your point of view on this. Is everybody up here in the 7A West kind of winking their eyes with all the movement going around and, you know, they've kind of dominated the 7A the last six years. You went in the finals with Bryant, probably played them as good as anybody a year ago. Uh, what's your take and what's kind of the talk of the coaches on the side in the 7A West with all the movement? Uh, you know, with, with Coach James leaving, you know, the, the program at Bryant, you know, in our opinion, is not really going to suffer a change just because of, you know, the amount of great of a great job that he's done. Um, you know, that obviously takes some time to build that program the way that he did, build it the right way, which he has, and been able to maintain. Obviously, what he's been able to maintain over a long period of time has been something, you know, pretty special in our industry that doesn't get done a lot. I mean, I, I can't tell you, um, you know, you can, you can look at a couple of programs across the state, but, you know, him doing it at the highest level and then doing it back to back to back is, is something special. And just the buy-in that he has from his kids, um, you know, obviously he's got a great staff there with, with quad coming back and a guy that really knows Brian um, that's been from that area that knows the kids. Obviously you, you can see it on social media, the kids really in the community really rally around him when um, they announced him to come back. Um, so, we, well, you know, there's not going to be a big step down from there at all. Um, you know, but everybody understands where Buck is at and what, you know, where he's going, um, with going to Conway and the, the job that he'll do there is that program was already in great shape when, when coach Fimple left as, as he's, as he's put out there and, you know, he's there not now. And I'm sure just trying to put his touch on, it. he's got great coaches at Conway that do a great job. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, as you step back, um, you know, in a couple of months, four or five months later, and just kind of see how everything winds up. But, you know, they, they were they're in a great spot with where they are now. Um, he's just there trying to put, a, I'm sure, just trying to put his kind of fingerprint here and there where he can to make sure, you know, he that, that things go the way that they need to go for him. Well, I tell you what, it, and I think you nailed it, but then you also got to look, you know, and, and Claude's been there going into Bryant, obviously, and Brent, the mouth made a comment, you know, the, the 7A still runs through Bryant until somebody beats him, obviously. But – could there be a shift and change a little bit? I mean, there's a little bit more consistency as far as coaching staffs mm -hmm. up here. They've had, you know, even at Bryant with two coordinator changes, there's more consistency, consistency up here. You've got a big time quarterback, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, what's your mindset? Obviously, you know, you're looking at your, your non-conference as you go and uh, open up with uh, uh, Cabot in it. Yes, and, uh, and Cabot's, you know, they're going to be right there in the big right, sense. I mean, right. you're going to see them twice usually. Yep. I mean, oh, if, yeah. you, if you get, if you're lucky is, uh, but what's the mindset here? I know you're looking at your conference and what you got to do, but you got to be peaking overall because, you know, your program is, is right there with them. Anybody in the state, you know, I think one of the big things you want to, as a staff from year to year is you want to have cohesiveness from year to year as much as you can. You know, not only does it help, 
your staff, but it also helps your kids. It helps your school. It helps your community. So it's kind of the trickle down effect. Um, you know, kids know who their coach is going to be. Coaches know who their kids are going to be, that they're going to be coaching, so on and so forth. So it's unique in that aspect that, you know, at Fayetteville, we've been able to do that minus, you know, a coach here or there every year since since we've been there so it'll be pretty awesome just to maintain that but you know kind of just like i said earlier those guys down at central at uh bryant and conway even with the shift you know it's the the two you know most people most important people that he's gonna be able to hire is gonna be his assistant coaches well i don't think those guys are really gonna change or you know move or go do a whole lot so i don't think i don't philosophically think that they're gonna change a whole lot like i said they may shift a little bit here and there um with with buck going to conway and quad going to bryant so you know that they're two great football teams is that is at the end of the day that's that's who they are that's who they are every year uh that's who cabot is every year obviously we're up there with with those guys and from an expectation standpoint and playing them every year so um it's just it's unique to watch every year because you do as the season goes on everybody's trying to figure out okay where do we want to be who do we want to match up with how do we want that to look so it's you know, you obviously the last couple of years you want to you want to try to get on the outside of Bryant until you mm -hmm. until you go play him in the state finals. But you know, every year is unique. Every year is different. Uh, but every year is also one to where you don't really. Everybody thinks they kind of know what's going to happen, and then it it usually doesn't end up that way. But the last you know four or five years with Bryant doing what they've been able to do been really really special and, and kind of just a unique thing to step back and watch. Actually, let's talk about your non conference schedule. And people don't realize how hard sometimes that is to put together and you got to do what's right for your program and that part of it. Talk to the, our audience a little bit about how you work a non-conference schedule, you know, in, in the part of it is, is, and I, I get this and there's different philosophies on this is, uh, you know, you're playing a cabot. Well, you, you played them in the playoffs. Gonna see him, gonna see him yeah. Again. You're going to see them again. And, and some people don't like that. You know, they don't they want to see them one right. time. But the way the state of Arkansas, especially in seven A's, built up, it's hard not to you know catch a non-conference game right. with a couple of those guys. I know you're going out of state also. Talk a little bit about your non-conference schedule and your mindset and when to set it up. A lot of it is just who you know when you're in a program like you're at and the success y'all have had is getting games won right. and then trying to set it up the right way for your team. Yeah. You know, there's there's a logical you know, distance that you obviously want to travel. So, I mean, pretty much like two years ago when we were trying to put together our non-conference schedule, we pretty much drew a, a circle around like a 400-mile radius and said, all right, like here, 300-mile radius, who, here's where we can go. You know, from Kansas City down, Tulsa over is really about as far as we want to travel into Oklahoma. With, with Obviously, we played Owasso the first two years. And then, you know, in the state of Arkansas, you don't really want to dr drift off too far into the 7A Central because the likelihood, as you said, of, of playing those teams in, for a second round um it, it's going to happen you, our first two years at Fayetteville, where we played conway I, you know mm -hmm. twice and won the semifinals where you know so you so you look at, it's very unique as far as how you piece it together um you know and then geographically it's kind of weird too because it's either you know you're you're you try to find somebody in the seven day central there, there's three hours you know if you're if you're driving down to little rock kansas city's three hours tulsa's an hour and a half and then if you don't have any of those schools you're in Texas or, you know, you're looking to, you're looking to piece together a game, which again can be unique also. So, you know, geographically you're kind of tied to a couple of schools based on how big you are, you know, who wants to play you, who doesn't want to play you. And obviously, you know, what you're trying to do for your program too. So it's not as, as easy as some of the, the smaller schools and classifications that there's more schools obviously to choose from. So you kind of have to be, 
you know, strategic in how you piece all that together and what that looks like for your kids and your program moving forward. Uh, there's no doubt. And, and people don't know how hard that is to get together. I mean, because your team's different every year. Every year. I mean, you know, sometimes, you, you know, you've got a senior-loaded mm-hmm. oriented team to a young team. And, and you're trying to think in advance when you're putting it together. Ex- from exactly. all right, Well, in two years, what's this going to look like? you know, two years down the road, and it may look completely different than what you have right now. And you just, you just don't know that. Exactly. Ray, you comment on that. I mean, cause you, you know, you've had to revamp your non-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. You have with the new cycle. Let's, let's get into that a little bit about the approach with, you know, I was always looking for, I'll be honest with you when I was doing it was, you know, one that's going to be really competitive. One, I pretty much knew I could win. And then the, the other one, somebody that was going to be a really, really strong team and try to, if we went two and one, we went one and two out of it, it went, you know, we were getting better. Right. You've yeah. had to deal with that too. Talk to, you know, the behind the scenes part of that. Yeah, we're, we were in the same boat in that, uh, you know, Shiloh was our non-conference game uh, before we got bumped up to that 5A or before they got bumped up to 5A and sorry, got thrown into our conference. And for us, um, it's kind of a little bit of a rivalry game uh, for us playing Shiloh. Um, great program over there, but there's always some intense games uh, between P Ridge and N Shiloh. And for us, um, we lost that non-conference, but we wanted to replace it with another uh, non-conference that was equally as exciting, which for us was Gravit. And Gravit's another team that's very sim- similar to us as far as uh, their growth and kind of where they're headed. Um, and so that was our first go-to was they had an open spot and uh, we wanted to create a game and a matchup that was exciting. And then for us, it's Gravit. So that's our, that's what we open with next year. Um, open with them last year as well. And then next year with a little bit of shift and then maybe some a chance that we have to replace them as well. I've heard there might be a chance that they bump up with us. So Well, and now with all the, you know, the classifications with private schools, changes. them moving up and mm-hmm. changes. I mean, I get a phone call today, a team that's in our, our conference where I'm at, you know, they're moving out and you just got to kind of deal with it. And you got to kind of know those things mm-hmm. before you do it. Let's let's go a little bit summertime. Mouth, you were down. You saw Coach Coach Dick's team the other day without the uh, their stud quarterback, and you saw let's see North Side, South Side, Russellville, Greenwood, Fayetteville, West Memphis, uh, and North. Did you say North Side? Yeah, I said North Side. And then we'll get into Casey about their yearly calendar and what they're doing in the summer. And those coaches are actually out there working and not getting paid. Isn't that something? I will, I will tell you what, uh, Southside is going to be a lot better this year. I do believe uh, uh, Colby, Colby Branham just mashed people. Mm-hmm. I, ble- I believe Coach Dick, I saw him mash one of your guys. In a, in <laughs> hey, a, don't uh, hold back, Brent. <laughs> in a, uh, but that's okay. Yeah. He's going to mash well, a bunch of folks. He's a D1. He's top one lineman in the state. He's going to mash a bunch of people. He's going to mash a bunch of people. Don't get, don't get your feelings hurt over that. But uh, um, West Memphis, Coach Hooks, has a very – he has some dudes out there now. They're, athlete, they're athletic. Um, if, I were, if I were a betting man, I'd say in the, in the East – He's gonna have a he's gonna have finally a breakout year at West Memphis, I would think. Northside had some good looking had some good looking guys. They sure did. Uh Russellville, Greenwood, they they all look they all look good to me. And at the end of the day, I was talking to these coaches in blue hats, and goodness gracious, 
I was t- I was talking to Springdale Harbor. I thought I, I thought I was talking <laughs> to Southside. I said, because I asked somebody, I said, uh, which one of you is Justin Key? And they said, none of us. I said, aren't you from Southside? Then I looked on their shirts, and it said Harbor. I said, excuse-moi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they do look like. Coach Dick, go into a little bit about your mindset in the summer. I mean, everybody goes to it as, you know, the team camps, the seven-on-sevens, the workouts, and getting them, making your team, make sure they're they're physically ready to go, you know, the first game. I, you know, people talk about shape and things. I still think you got to play a game getting ball shape. I, yeah. I, I mean, you can take people out and run them and do all those things, but they, you got to get them as close as conditioned as possible. Your mindset with team camps, you've already done yeah. two. You've done uh, one at Northside, one at Greenwood all in a week, and, you know, coming out of spring ball. When you're setting up that calendar, and I'll go with you too, Bray, on this, mm-hmm. you're setting up that calendar for the summer. You know, you don't want to – it's a fine line. You don't oh, yeah. want to do too much. It's then you don't, want to, you don't want to do too little. And you got to know your bunch and, you know, injuries and things mm-hmm. pop up during those those times. When you're setting that calendar, and I always say this, I used to laugh all the time, sitting in December working that calendar, but then you get that, you had that last team camp in July, yeah. and you're sitting there going, questioning yourself, you're about questioning what, you're doing. yourself what are we doing? Yeah. It was a great idea in December. Go into that, like, and Bray, you, you follow up with it. What's your mindset set? You know, when you're doing your yearly calendar, that, what do we need to do? And I mean, you hadn't seen spring yet, you don't see it until right. the calendar's already made. What do we need to do? What do we need to pull back on? Right. Who do we need to pull back? You know, I think on? everybody has a preliminary plan based on, you know, when the, when your football season ends and then where you, where you see your trajectory kind of headed into next year. So you, you make it based off, you haven't done an off season, you know, you haven't seen your kids grow. You haven't seen them do anything yet. So you're making a calendar kind of assuming this is where we're going to go from point A to point B, but you don't really know, you know, the pieces of the puzzle and what it's really going to look like. So, you know, like you said, you make a calendar in December, and by the time you get to the end of spring ball, you have a lot better understanding of, you know, who you're going to be, what your team's going to look like. And then, you know, what we like to do also is take those days and kind of divide them up between you do – if we have eight days, obviously you have four team camps, you know, three seven-on-sevens. We very rarely hit hit our eight days. But we also – if we go to those four team camps in June and we say, okay, here's our growth, here's our trajectory – Here's what we've been able to accomplish. Here's what we'll be able to do. There's a lot of times where we'll scale back that last one because if we like where we're at, I come, you know, I sp- my first five years when I got into it, I was in Texas. Well, in the summertime in Texas, you couldn't do anything. So you can't even I, talk to you them. Can't even talk to them. Yeah. You can't. You can't work. You can work. You can. Some schools work them out, but you can't do any. You back then you couldn't do any football related drills. You could do nothing but but weight workout and you know sprint work or conditioning workout. One of the crazy things. And this is a long time ago. And we'll get into that. But and you're right. Was I went, we were, I was the elder Raider. We were scheduled to play Texas high and you know, you know, but back in the day, you kind of sneak around right. and go look at people and all this deal. Well, they're playing the seven on seven. It blew my mind. They're out there with no helmets Can't coach it, yeah. and they got some kid, you know, former player yeah. out there with written down plays, Card. ca- cards or whatever. And the coaches are, you know, sitting on the rail side or sitting yeah. in the bleachers. And we've got it really good in Arkansas where, yeah. where yeah. our kids are coached all the time. I mean that that's a huge difference. I mean when you come, when you sit down and you take the amount of plays that you get from let's just say you do fourteen camps from an offensive defense, what you what it really comes out to be is about two scrimmages, mm-hmm. honestly. 
so that's what I tell our guys. I'm like, listen, like those, those first five years I was there, I came from not doing anything in the summer. Then I come here and I'm like, we're doing way too much. Plus you get your two, you know, your two weeks in August, right before you start fall camp and then another scrimmage are really, you know, you're putting the ball down before a meaningful game and you're really playing about three scrimmages before you actually, you know, kind of get going. So, but you're, then you fall in the trap, like we talked about before we came on and, you know, are you doing too much? Are you doing too little? Are you doing just enough for your kids? And I think it, it all is, you know, where's your program, where are your kids at? A lot of it revolves around how experienced are your, are your guys at understanding what they're going to be doing, you know? So it's kind of a, just a mix and match of kind of how things feel as you progress from spring ball, you get into the summer and then you really kind of sit down and say, okay, what do we want to get accomplished in June? You know, then and then when you have your your plan of what do you want to get accomplished in June, it's how can we space that out to where our guys are fresh, they can go compete and get those, you know, 35, 40 plays at a team camp and then turn around and go to a seven on seven because you got to make sure you're taking care of those guys as well. Um, so it all kind of just encompasses together. And, you know, we, we, we try to piece it together as best as we can based on the guys we have coming back to some experience, but also do, you know, an equal amount of team camps and seven on seven to get everybody kind of in the area they need to get into seven on seven does have a lot of positive things. I know some, some people don't think it does it, it. It's, you know, it's hit or miss. And some, um, obviously four seconds is kind of a longevity there. And obviously I, it, from, from a quarterback, I get it. I understand it, but it's, it's great for receivers. And the thing that, that, that I love about it is it really teaches kids a, an understanding a situational awareness of understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so that there's some positive things that come from it. There's a lot of continuity that's built, a lot of teamwork that that, that things don't understand, that people don't understand from behind the scenes, a lot of uh, just camaraderie that's built also from playing six or seven games in a day as well. well and I always thought 707 was the conditioning. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wasn't yeah. a big, you know, I'm an old line background a little bit, so I wasn't a, a big 707. We did a lot of them, but it was conditioning. Guys were running harder than yep. I could take them out and run them mm-hmm. and, it, and they got to compete Bray hit on you know about your your summer mm-hmm. deal and I, like casey said is you got to know your team and then you got to know you know when to the guy long, old coach told me this yeah. one time you got to know when to hit the gas and you got to know when to take the foot off of it mm-hmm. and, I, and i think to be successful you got to do that but you, you're playing you know total different deal here i mean you're a 5a school big school also but not dealing as many numbers is mm-hmm. is coach dickie is What's your mindset going into summer? So I've got I've got two two things we're trying to accomplish this summer, and one is you know we just hired five coaches, and that's mm-hmm. a, a new OC and a new DC. So we we've got to get reps, and we've got to get the the offense and defense in, and get those reps, whether it's a team camp or it is a seven on seven. Uh, those are still very valuable reps and concepts we're trying to understand and, and mesh. And the other piece of this is we got five new coaches. We got to build those relationships with our kids. So. Um, yeah, there is the the competition and the install and, and all the things that come with playing football. There's also the relationships and, and the fun and the little camaraderie and team building that has to happen. So we'll go to the seven on seven at, at Siloam. We'll go to your place. Yeah. And we'll, we'll bring the RV. And we'll oh, the, the RV. Bray rides in with the RV. It's the only place it's air conditioned. Oh, yeah. One. And they play games in every, every school is envy. Of the, of the P Ridge Blackhawks when they roll up into Solomon Springs Border War. Oh, it's awesome. I'll go in there and cool off myself sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and like you said, I'm, I'm an O line guy, obviously, too. So, I mean, yeah, obviously, there's a lot of things we're focused on at the seven on seven, but that's also for the, for the skill guys. Those are the little, little guys running around. And then 
you know, they're doing great things and I'm super excited for them, but I'll let our OC and DC kind of take that over or I can sit back and, um, build a team. So, well, and I, I've seen two, two programs built one off JV. They put a big emphasis on JV mm-hmm. and getting that winning ways. Go, I work with coach Rester at El Ray, and that's really how they got that program started was, Man, if you were you weren't a senior, by golly, you're playing JV. the JV, yeah. buddy. And, Absolutely. And it built. And that's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. It got them more reps, and we could play. You know, as the head coach, and I was assistant at the time, I wouldn't worry about anybody getting hurt unless they're one of my guys. You know, be honest with you. I mean, that's the way it all works. But those JV games, I saw him build a, a program there, you know, that won a conference championship, went to the finals just on the win and waste i've seen people with the same thing with the seven on seven where you know they got a little taste that winning mm-hmm. and the competition part it made a huge difference in the program yeah, it is and when you, especially when you look at just you know everybody understands how important you know just overall team confidence is and so that that can be accomplished and done in a lot of a lot of different ways it can be done from different groups just like you talked about from jv to varsity it can be done through seven on seven team camps there's a lot of different avenues that you can use to kind of connect those those pieces of everything. So one of the things that we did also is go take those JV guys to a couple of team camps in the summer to get those guys where it's just focusing on them. Um, and that, that was one of the things that we felt last year that really helped our JV guys kind of get ready because in spring ball, you, you're, you are, you know, you're focusing on everybody, but those you're, you know, we're getting those guys ready to go play. Uh, but those guys, you know, obviously with the, the mass amount of numbers that we that some of the schools have, you know, we got to do some supplemental things in order to get to those guys where we feel like they can go out and obviously be productive and feel comfortable with what they're doing. So that we we actually take our kids about two or three of those JV team camps, um, and they're they've been really awesome for us just to watch them build and grow and really just obviously get well, them you, some reps. You're finding depth. Finding, I mean, right. and, and, and and it don't matter if you're in one a or, right. or eight men football mm-hmm. or five a or seven that's a the most important you gotta find depth because yeah. uh, you know the, if, if you've got the same 22 that started in august you're gonna win a lot of games lucky if you're any good you know yeah. and, and and you're right it's fine finding those depth mouth you've been out you've watched a lot of these t- the team camps you like i said you went over the other day what do you think about this when you, you I mean, with your dad was a longtime coach, obviously you followed high school football just as a fan and a person been around it. What do you think about the team camps in the seven on seven, how it's, how it's made Arkansas high school football a lot better. Well, as a fan, I thought it was, I think it's wonderful because it gives me a place to go and watch a little ball. <laughs> that's the that's big, that's the big thing, but uh, it's good. It's good where you can, where you can go see the uh, teams that where they're standing. Uh, if they obviously, when you're sitting in the stands, you can see, whoo, this team's got some, this team's got some prospects right here. Uh, they've also got some suspects, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's real. It's really, it's really good to, it's really good. To, it's really good to see because when you're in a team camp setting, your guys get to go up against somebody different. You're not always bang. You're not always banging heads with uh, your own your guys. Butt, your own guys spring balls. Or, or your own, it's awful. You're off. It's done. You know. You know. Uh, and everybody likes to see a different color jersey. Absolutely. At, at the opposite of the op on the opposite line of scrimmage from you. So, uh, 
I think it's only positive, and I've only seen uh, in the years my dad was athletic director at Four City and Eldorado, and I've only seen the uh, seven on seven and team camps just flourish even more. On it's on a year to year basis, they get they get better and better and better, and I I think I know as a coach. You you probably because you can you can see your you can see your teams against other teams. You've got fresh eyes because mm-hmm. you're seeing them against different folks. Yeah, know where you stand. Know yeah. how you match up. And that, that that's true. Let's let's turn the table. Let's talk about your quarterback. I mean, Drake Lindsey's big time quarterback's been uh, offered and committed to Minnesota. <laughs> uh, big kid, big kid. Big I, kid. I've. I had seen him. Oh, take it back. I've, I've seen him live once, mostly on you know live stream stuff. Mm-hmm. You got to feel good about that. I mean, you got a big time quarterback coming in, and, and I'm not putting pressure on here. But when Fables <laughs> had a big time quarterback, <laughs> they've always been they've successful. Been, they've been all right. They've been pretty good. <laughs> and trust me, I went through all the Allen years, and I suffered through all that for six years. So I understand all of it. And so. uh Let's talk about him. Let's talk about his strengths and what he's going to bring to your team and what it is. You know, he's got that experience. He understands the league. He understands what it takes. You know, let's just talk about him. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different intangibles that he brings just because of, you know, if if you, a lot of people nowadays that you talk about having a returning starter and one of the, everybody looks at. So one of the things, you know, in kind of the kids terms is he's got some street credit coming back based on what he's already accomplished. Um, you know, he had a really productive off season as well. I mean, he, he put on another, uh, about 23 pounds in the off season. Wow. He grew about another inch and a half. So, I mean, he looks, he's about six, five two twenty three right now. So he looks obviously really, really good physical, uh, built kid, but the thing that he brings to the table is just the experience and at that position with with the guys that we're going to line up and play against and with, you know, on a week in and week out basis, it's it's really important. Um, obviously, last year before we started, we thought we knew what we had. But as you know, the longer you do this, you don't really know, you know, where you stand with all that until you get in and you play a season. You see kind of how, you know, the cards unfold. But he with the thing that he did last last year from weeks, you know, week zero to, to week 11 was he grew up in a hurry. Um, you turn on the film against Cabot, the first, and he'll tell you the same thing. The, the first week on Cabot, uh, when we played, you know, Coach Reed, and then week zero to the the rest, uh, the rest of the remaining ten weeks, he's a completely different kid from that week to those ten weeks. And you know, philosophically, obviously, we like to throw the ball around a little bit, and I think he he completed sixty six percent of his passes um, throughout the year, which is which is pretty high for a kid that's never really started a game before but the thing that really popped out to us was he only threw three interceptions all year over in over 450 attempts so that's one of the things that we loved was he took care of the ball but it just shows you he understood what we were trying to do and what the defenses were trying to do as well so um he's a, he's a very high level thinker processor kid uh, that that gets it and obviously can distribute the ball but you know consistency at that position is so tough and he did it for for 10 or 11 weeks in a row of distributing the ball, taking command, um, and developing to really be a leader of, of our team, you know, throughout the offseason. So, uh, you know, he's got some great – a great family, obviously, with, with, with 
you know, his parents, his upbringing, the things that they've been able to. Yeah, they got a little football background. They got a little football background <laughs> in, in the entire family. And, you know, obviously dad playing at Arkansas, and then, you know, dad, uncle, those those guys were super athletic and did a great job of bringing him up. And then his cousins and all those guys, you know, so he's been around it his whole life. And, you know, when you've been around it your whole life and you that's that's pretty much what he does. Um, you know, he's just been a, he's just been a great leader for our team. You know, from where we ended last year to where we are now, um, just look for continued thing, big things for him. Obviously, going into well, the season, you get that experience, and, and there's nothing more. And you understand this, and Brent, you do too. Is that experience? You know, getting that guy. It's you almost get spoiled, then you get a new one. You know, yeah. obviously, you know, I've seen it over time. Is you know that first year going through it, and they learn it. And then the next year, you're giving them a script and practice, and they already they're, got it memorized, they're and they're running run the show. What does that bring to the table to your team with that experience at that position? Yeah, absolutely. I think from him, what it does is it pretty much gives you another coach on the field, um, which is obviously highly valuable because he can – you know, talk to those guys and, and explain to them what to do. But I think the biggest thing is, is what he can do is tell them why it's got to be a certain way because he he gets it and he, you know, he, he understands it. He's been through it. So anytime you have that experience at that position, it's it's kind of, it's it's like an added bonus, you know, um, going into the season. He, like I said, he's done a phenomenal job of, of throwing with those guys in the entire offseason, kind of kept getting those guys brought up to, you know, where he feels like everybody needs to be. Um, he's just a guy that you really got to kind of point in the direction. He'll he'll get everybody where you want to go based off his work ethic and what he does. But the relationships he has with everybody too is big. Like like Bray was talking about earlier. You know he's he's got to be a guy that that it's like riding a bike on the edge of the cliff. You know he's got to know when to get on the guys because they're not doing what they're supposed to do. But then he's also got to be the guy that's encouraging them because they got to be out there you know throwing or running or whatever it is when. You know, those guys are really doing the hard work. He's just throwing, you know, he's throwing it while they're freaking running around and, and catching the ball. So he's, like I said, he's done a great job. Um, you know, so we're, we're obviously excited to have him um, back for another year and, and look for him to do some some pretty uh, good things for us for sure. All right, let's talk about the rest of your team a little bit. Strong defensively. Feel like, you know, talking to you off the air here and, and talk to some of your assistant coaches, feel like, you know, defensively could be a big strength for you. And, in my experience, whoever's got the best defense from the road down to War Memorial usually usually wins. I mean, that's just my experience in uh, in kind of a, an era right now where I go to a lot of games and think, does anybody even practice defense? Yeah, sometimes? Who scored? Who's going to score? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, but that's something you can carry on the road for you a little bit. Let's talk a bit, a little bit yeah. about your defense, Coach Britt, and and Coach Heavy's over there. They're yeah. they're taking care of that. Talk to us a little bit about your defense. You know, first, we got two coordinators that do an amazing job um, starting on the weekends. If you're, if you're, if when you're going, you know, we do work on the weekends after a Friday night game, Saturday and Sunday. And those, those guys, you really don't even have to walk in the room. It just, it's more walking in there and saying, all right, here, what's our plan for this or that? And they, those guys, they take care of it. And they're, they are, they are football junkies. They are latest and greatest of what, what people are doing. You know, how can we gain a competitive edge? Um, and we saw it last year with the kids that we have, you know, we thought we were going to be an odd front team, a multiple odd front team. We had, we had a linebacker, um, go down, ended up going to a three high safety look like that. And it ended up being something that we, we stayed with the whole year, um, because our, it just suited our kids. Um, so they really, really bought into that. Um, and we're able to try to transform our football team, but th those guys do a great job from December to May 
with whatever it is that they feel like we need to, you know, the direction we need to go in based off our meetings and stuff after the season. And then it's, you know, kind of the, that's the first phase. And then phase two is in the summer and then phase three is fall camp. So they, they really do a great job of taking all those things and really dividing them up, making it relatable to our kids and making them understand why, not only what we're doing, but why we're doing what we're doing and then allowing them to go play, finding what, all right, here's, here's your tools. And then, okay, what do we do really good with those tools? Well, let's take those and pair them up with everything and then really refine it to letting our kids go play. Um, so I, you look at it last year, and we were a team that, you know, quite honestly had a lot of question marks because the year before that we, we graduated mm-hmm. pretty much everybody on both sides of the ball and didn't really know who we were going to be. Um, and we came out and we were, we were, you know, productive, obviously defensively and offensively and had a, had a pretty good year. But you have a lot of those guys from last year's team coming back like we talked about, you know, experience at that level is enormous. They're going to play faster. They're going to play faster yeah. because they know what to do. They're, they, they've been in those situations before. They understand situational football. Uh, and, and the amazing progression between a junior and a senior, you can't – you know, a lot of people talk about it. You can't put a price tag on experience. And you don't have experience so you get thrown in somewhere, you know, and you got to figure it out. It's, you, you could just, that's just – there's no other way for it based on – you know, people can say you can do teen camps, you can do seven-on-seven, but – there's nothing like those kids going out and playing on a Friday night and, you know, being out there in the atmosphere and actually experiencing it and watching them grow up and then come around the next year. And it's like, you just got to remind them one or two times and they go, but uh, you know, we got, we've got really great coaches over there on defense with coach Harris doing a great job at our defensive line. Um, feel like we've got some depth there coming back last year. We we're really young um, coach Bowerman at our inside linebackers will do a great job of getting those guys ready. And then, you know, obviously coach, coach Davis coaches our outside linebackers and our nickels. Um, and just and the coach Britt and coach Lindley do our back end that, you know, they're doing a lot of different things with the kids and a lot of different coverages and mixing it up. So, like I said, that whole thing starts in December to get us to where we can, we feel like we can go play late, you know, late summer, early August, um, and be really productive. Let me ask you this. Let's go move on the other side of the ball. Of course, we talked about your quarterback, got a great running back coming back. You know, uh, you talked about earlier offensive line wise. And I'll throw this out to you. Fayetteville's known for receivers also. They've had a few that can run fast. I've witnessed that a few times on Friday night. Just a couple. And uh, let's, let's talk about your offense a little bit. You know, obviously, like we talked about, we have Drake coming back, so that'll be a, that'll be a huge advantage for us um, in that experience. And then we've got kids that played last year at receiver as well. Um, and, and, you know, our outside receivers, <clears throat> those guys pretty much all played our inside receivers. Um, a couple all-state kids coming back that were there last year. So there's a lot of experience, you know, on both sides of the ball of those guys being able to play as, you know, as sophomores or juniors or whatever it was. So now, you know, you're just, as you know, you're taking, you want those kids to take that next step. What it, what it looked, they, you know, now they understand, okay, here's how you go do this, but let's go do this really consistently at a really high level week in and week out, day in, day out. Um, so, you know, an offensive line is, is an area where they're getting better that we've got to continue to make sure we're taking those strides because, as you know, when it's late, you know, late in the, in the playoffs or wherever you need to go, you're going to have those guys up there are going to win you football games. Um, and, you you know, you got to go play the teams in the central who are going to be big and, and physical up front at defensive line. So those guys have got to be ready. So I think overall you're looking at a, you're looking at a lot of experience coming back um, just because of we were a young football team, obviously, two years ago, like we talked about, there was a lot of question marks that we had that those guys stepped up and were prepared and did a great job of going out so um you know i think if we we will continue where we're at then i think we'll be okay well that's great and you're going to be in the mix all right let's talk about your league 
a little bit. And and Brent's seen some of them. You've watched a few at team camps. Uh, Bray, you, you've done some stuff with Rogers also, I believe, mm-hmm. in your team camp. Talk about the league. You know, obviously, let's kind of throw it out there. It's been between you and Bentonville here the last couple of years. And, and you know, Bentonville West just kind of, you know, Coach Pratt's had a couple of good runs. And Rogers just looks – boys, I'd say that. I mean, they're, they're, they're coming. They're coming. And uh, uh, Chad's done a great job over there with that whole situation. Talk to me about your league. You know, once you get out of that non-conference, yeah. you know, your conference part, of, you know, it's about getting seeds and it's, you know, where you can get there, getting yeah. in the playoffs one. Absolutely. And then, you know, championships and all that part. What's your conference schedule look like? And how do you see the league playing out? You know, it's, it's I think it's competitive as it's ever been. I think we, we you, you know, you, you mentioned Rogers and the job that, that, that coach Harvison does is, you know, we had a brief stint at Fayetteville when he was there and he's, he's done a phenomenal job at going in Rogers and really taking, you know, their philosophy and how it fits their kids and really watching them excel. And he's done a great job. Um, you know, coach Granite Bentonville does obviously does a great job sustaining success when, when after coach Lonnie left and they've, he's kind of put his own stamp on it's that. It's, it's, it's a, and, and Jody and them do a great job. Great and, you job. know, and the part people don't know is that staff's been together forever. I, I, t- yeah. I was having talking to somebody Ever. today and I was, I was like, from the time that I have come from Texas, which was, I guess, 12 years ago now, you can count on one hand, the amount of coaches they've had to replace. Oh. Like they've not, they haven't left, which is kind of what we hit on earlier. You know, the continuity part, of that whole thing is humongous. I mean, when you, you're talking a period of over 11, 12 years to where they've replaced maybe three coaches. Um, so you look with people in their system. You're right. I mean, that's what's crazy. So they may have to go hire one, but then that guy's been there for five years and he he understands, you know, what's going on. So he's got two court, two great coordinators, coach Dana Howard, um, and and Cecil over there on the, on the defense that do a phenomenal job that they, they really take everything that they need to to mold their kids and do a great job. And like I said, coach Pratt, I've been at Bill West, obviously working for him, uh, for five years, I and mean, he's he's very detail oriented guy that that you know is going to get the most out of his kids week in and week out. Best screen game in the best, state. Best, buddy. Always best, best screen game in the state, right there. Smoke, I he'll smoke and mirror. It. He'll oh, smoke I'm and mirror. telling you. And you, and you look at Rogers Heritage and the job that Coach Munoz did is, I think, one that's vastly underestimated. Um, you know, based on what they've done and being able to accomplish previously, I think what he did last year, he, they're on the right track to get that program to where they needed to go. And his, they, their coaches did a great job. And I, I told them that after we played them, I said, what you guys are doing, you're doing it the right way. Mm-hmm. I said, it, it doesn't, it's, you know, everybody thinks if, if one person can go into any setting and turn a program around at the collegiate level or at the high school level, they think it should be done everywhere. And that's not, that's just not the reality of, of, of coaching. It's, it's, it's completely different every situation and everywhere you go. And he's doing a great job. He really is. And then, you know, coach Hobbs at Springdale is, He's a Springdale guy. You know, they're going to be tough. They're going to be hard-nosed. They're going to play fast. They're going to hit you. Um, and obviously, with, with what they're doing offensively, it'll, it's it's going to be a change for everybody that that we don't see, you know, in our conference, somebody running the wing tee and doing all that stuff. So, it'll be a different look um, for everybody there. So, it's it's going to be as competitive as, as it's ever been. Um, so, how it finish out will just – you know, the biggest thing that you're going to have to do, as everybody in this room knows, is go play consistent football mm-hmm. every week. You know, not worry stay about healthy. stay healthy, not yeah. worry about who you're playing or anything like that. Just it don't, just go play ball. That's <clears> the end of the line. Well, and I see that, and then you know, obviously, you got a new new coach at Harvard, mm-hmm. and so you know that their dynamics and you know, Coach Wood has been there for 16, 17, 17 years. years. Started yeah. the, the started the program. Started the freaking program. Yeah. 
he's old. I remember when the program started. That's how old I am. Yeah. And uh, he, it, you know, they've got something new over there. So it's going to be real interesting. Who are your first three conference games? We go Bentonville West, Rogers. Um, who's our third one? We play Southside late. Yep. No, we go West Rogers. No, we. Oh, sorry, we go West. Yeah, West Rogers and Bentonville. So, my God. Well, we're gonna, Holy cow. We'll be rolling. Holy cow. We're in or out early. We're, gonna, we're not tiptoeing anywhere. Yeah, exactly. It, it, and I, I do kind of recall that with your, your conference. I remember y'all's were real tough starting starting off. So, uh, nothing yeah. nothing easy at all no, there. No, so West Rogers, Southside, Bentonville. So, I mean, you look at, you know, where and Bentonville Southside's, West has been. That's a one. I say you look at Southside and Coach Dammer down there is doing a great job, obviously, and they've got some – Mouth hit on early. They've got some. They've got some big offensive linemen coming back. They've got a running back, uh, receiver, and then Coach Cox, obviously on the defensive side, is going to do a great job of getting those kids prepared. So I mean, you look at those first three games, and then on top of those, you know that non-conference schedule. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to find out where we are really quick. Um, playing Cabot, obviously North Little Rock, Northside, and then you know opening with Bentonville West. Uh, so it'll be a it'll be a quick and you know. Be challenging. We're, we're well, and, 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 <laughs> well, it's very challenging because you got Cabot, then yep. you got North Little Rock, who doesn't even have a coach. Yep. As we speak right now, right. I've, I've heard some some rumors floating around a little bit, but nothing official. And then obviously Northside, you know, they've got athletes oh, yeah. in that part. So, oh, yeah. but it'd be very interesting to see with, <clears throat> with the, how the league plays out. And we talked about this that day, and I'm gonna let Brent talk about about this. We're excited to watch the ten games play out in the matchups with oh, all yeah. the changes. Brent talked. I mean, we talked about that. I tell I tell you what I see to, and I touched on it last week, and we'll touch on it again this week. If if you are in the northwest part of the state, you can't find a better way to spend a Friday night spending seven bucks to get or get in a game to get in the game and then buy a popcorn and coke for. For five dollars, you can't what you can't uh, beat that, and because uh, it's go every week. Every week is tough, tough, tough in the seven eight and the seven eight central, the seven eight west. Uh, all I mean, whomever, whomever wins those two conferences, you've accomplished something. You. Well, you have walked the gauntlet for ten games, and and you are to be commended for winning this league, and or the central, either one. And I was, I just think, you know, usually in a conference, you have one game or two that you say we can we can win no problem. I don't I don't see that in this in the seven A West. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to strap it up every week. Make sure your chin straps tight and your shoulder pads are, are strapped on tight too, because somebody's going to knock your head off if you get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And, and when I was doing it, you know, back in the day, was it were yeah, we talked about conference championships. Not much. It was just getting in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. yeah because if you got in, in in the seven A West back in the day, you got in, you had a chance to win the state championship. Right. I mean, because there wasn't no much difference, you know. Just what you talked about, 
Don't think coaches don't pull that bracket out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did all the time. Sometimes you might have a late loss and it ain't that bad. It yeah. might seem bad to everybody at the moment, but you're, you're getting match away in matchup. Because in the playoffs, it's all about matchups. You understand that. Is, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we've, you cost me a state championship. Bray did. <laughs> and uh, it was about matchups. You know, with an old nine. My Southside team matched up good with Bentonville. Mm-hmm. Y'all didn't, and, and we didn't match up good with you. And it all plays out. You know, we beat Bentonville, and y'all didn't have to face them, and you know how it works. That, that was big. Dude, I always tell yeah, them. Yeah, when we beat Bentonville, everybody over there in Harbor had a party. Oh, so that's why it worked it out. Huge, right huge we, we always said there's there's <laughs> two teams. Coach Williams yeah. Check. yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> there's a picture over in the other room in there. Just to, we uh, no, I, There's two teams I never beat, and that's Alabama and Bentonville High School. And so, wow. yeah, when y'all knocked him out of the playoffs, I remember that was, that was a big deal for us. We were excited. I, I still need to check for that, by the way. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll take care of that. <laughs> it's in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Got lost in the mail. Oh, it's coming. Man. It's coming. Well, let me ask you this here. And this is kind of getting into it a little bit for both of you, especially. And and I'll give you one of my stories, too, later on. You've been at head coach five years? At Fayetteville, you said. Yep. One year. One of your one, one starting, starting the four uh three years there at Fayetteville starting your fourth. You're going into your third year. Mm-hmm. What have you learned? I mean, and, and people don't even have a clue. The things that when you get in that role, the crazy things, which I can now I'm old and I can look back and laugh at a lot of it, but the things that you learned and you've done it at two places, you know, walking into Van Buren your first year and then all of a sudden moving to Fayetteville. You've learned it too, and you're actually there with me as assistant, but then moved on. Let's start with Coach Dick. What have you? What's the most thing you went? Wow, I didn't know that. Or man, I gotta, I gotta get a handle on this. Yeah, I think, I think when I first started, the biggest lesson I could tell anybody is when I, if I was gonna go into another head coaching role, the biggest lesson I learned from Van Buren and Fayetteville was the first thing you do when you go to a new place: observe, mm-hmm. observe. Uh, and do nothing but observe and it's and it's okay to let a week go and really gain a better understanding of your staff your kids by just observing uh you know i was real gung-ho and went in and changed certain things on us you know on day one day two day three and i look back at that and some of those things i'd done that was i was like man that was that's probably some of the dumbest stuff that i could have done you know in that particular role at that particular time it turned out okay but it didn't it wasn't necessarily the right timing um, just because of things that maybe the program had already been through or, you know, the changes that had already occurred. So I think observing, uh, obviously for me would be the biggest thing that I would do over, but I, and then the second thing you, you learn to do very quickly and how to adapt to everything is just, you know, taking the personalities of your kids and finding out the right coaches that you need to hire, kind of move around in order to place your staff, get everybody on the right seat, I guess you would say in order to make everybody coexist to the best of your ability, you know, for, for what you see as your program. Um, so those, I think those are two huge things because, you know, those, those, your assistant coaches are the ones that really go out and obviously have a big interaction with your kids every single day. So you want to make sure that those guys have those deeply rooted relationships like Bray was talking about earlier. But then, you know, you've also obviously got to be that constant observer too. Okay, what can we change, tweak, adjust here and there in order to keep that trajectory going where you want it to go? Makes sense, Bryce. Yeah, no, I, I would completely agree. It's 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 the relationships for me that I think that, um, obviously you know they're important, and obviously it's a huge part of it. 
Um, but then when you look at the whole big picture, uh, you know, are your assistants, um, are they gelling well with, the, with their positions? You know, are those kids getting along with each other? Is there a, a culture of, you know, I've got your back on the football field, but I've also got your back off of it. And that's something that, you know, uh, I kind of relate this to Coach Pittman all the time. That's kind of who he is um, for, for that O-line room, you know, as a player. Um, it was one of those things that uh, you're not somebody on camera and somebody else behind the scenes. Um, you're one personality. You have these relationships with with these players. And actually, Rick Davies yesterday, I was talking to him. You know Coach Davies? Uh -huh. um, Very Coach, well. Yeah. So he he's now at Gentry. Um, and, and he mentioned. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he's a gentleman. I got to call that guy. You've been kidding me. I know. I told him to come on. I told him to I mean, that guy's in and out. I want to sell cars for coach. I got to talk to this guy. Come well, on, he, man. He's back. He's back. Got to make a decision. He's, he's back in the profession. <laughs> he's a great coach, a good man. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, no, you're absolutely right. And and one thing that he said was, you know, you've got these, these athletes, these kids for three years. And if you can't give them everything for three years, then you need to pull yourself out of it. And, and you're in the wrong profession. And, and that was – talking about why he got out of it and now that's why he wants to get back into it and i thought that was awesome like you're right i mean those kids are you know we're sitting here talking about games from 2011 you know when uh, back at harvard when i was a player and those three years are some of the best years of my life that i think about all the time and, and i think about coach strubing and coach wood and the impact that they had on me as a high school player and anything i've accomplished after that you know i have to give credit to them uh, for the program they were in and the things that uh, you know, they taught me that I didn't appreciate at the time. Um, but to me, now as a head coach, like, it's a very cool opportunity to do something special. Yeah. Well, I, I'll give you my story. This is a good one. I was the head coach of El Dorado my second year. And El Dorado. Second year ex experience? As, as a head coach. As head coach. How, how, was, how old were we? I was 29. I still had, I had brown hair back then. A little bit gray. <laughs> and, uh find a picture yeah well, she, you have to dig deep only if the internet was alive during that time but anyway is uh we play and i've told brent this one it's my second year we had a kind of a tough year and, it, and i took over coach Rester and you know we went to state finals and we were rolling and in my first year we had five college prospects but they all got hurt during the year and, and the league was tough and and you know i was young i didn't know what it's doing and we didn't have a great year. The next year, not near as talented. We play Rustin, Louisiana. And Rustin and El Dorado go way back in the day. And they, they quit playing. You know that because your dad coached there. And they always played each other. Big, big, big game. Well, Billy Laird's there. Joe Ferguson yeah, was yeah, actually yeah. the offense coordinator. His son was was wow. the was the was the the quarterback. And we be, we had no business being. Billy Laird's one of my heroes and coach, great coach. They rushed for like 400 yards, just turned it over, and we got lucky, and, and we won the game. Well, at El Dorado, you know, the stadium's downtown, and you got to drive back to the to the field house. Well, we drive, we beat them, we beat them, and so I, I mean, people are going crazy. You know, I'm thinking, God, I don't know how we did this. You know, it's <laughs> unbelievable. So I get back to the office. My phone rings in my office. I think it's the superintendent. He's calling to give me a raise. We just beat <laughs> Russ. You know, we, 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 we pulled this off. Hadn't done, done in years. And it was a, an upset mama, upset because her kid only touched the ball six times instead of 12. And so 
that got to reality right real there quick. real quick yeah. where dropped it down. You know, no matter what you do, somebody might be getting pissed off. Yeah. You know, that's just the way it is. And and so it really that was eye open experience was, you know, everybody's celebrating all of a sudden you're getting criticized for you know, for something and we all worked it out and yeah. kids great kid. But those things you don't see as the assistant coach. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You just you, you you don't see those things and everything. All right, last last topic here, and then it's more for Casey and Brent can chime in on this. We got Coach Nutt coming on, Coach Houston Nutt there coming on here. We're gonna take she, she just had a big round well, we, we, and brought him in here. We're gonna have him on in the morning and what's your gr- two part questions. What has Coach Nutt meant to you in your life? Mm. One. And what's the funniest Coach Nut story you've ever been involved in? Oh, man. The, oh, the, the funniest, this this is going to involve a couple of other different coaches. Um, so a lot of people know when you're a incoming freshman, one of the things that Coach Nut did is he, he put you in different groups when you first came on the campus. And your job pretty much was to go throughout two days. Um, and he would he would always bring you in and say, you know, you you guys are going to gel together, be, a, you know, you had to stand up, and sing the fight song. And then, you know, you got to stand up and imitate a coach of your choosing who you did. So um, in our in our group was was Kane Womack. Now the, the head coach at uh, South Alabama. Yeah. L- Long time friend. He was ended up kind of not he was in, in our in our dorm room right next door. Um, so he's his deal was he he could he could it was amazing at what he could do just watching somebody for 20 minutes and figure him out. But he, he picked coach nut and he coach nut gives a story at the end of the day. As you, a lot of people know, he coach nut was a big basketball player. Like mm-hmm. he loved basketball. He would always, him and his staff would always go play basketball. Um, you know, in between in the day after a staff meeting, after practice, whatever, they'd all go play. Well, he shows up to a team meeting one day in a boot and you know, he, <laughs> he, he had ended up hurting his leg playing basketball. And he, and he asked Dean, he said, you know, Dean Weber, long time assistant yeah. trainer. They've been there I don't, 55 years, mm-hmm. 50 years. He's just, just got out of that. I mean, foundation. how long have you been there? Uh, Dean, Dean has been the trainer at Arkansas since 1972. Yeah. God, that was before I was born. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm 50. Yeah, yeah. 1970 forever yeah. or 73 excuse me 73 so he comes he comes in in a boot and everybody's asking what happened and he uh, he looks at dean he said dean you gotta tell him what happened and so he ended up having like a he demonstrated this this basketball move that he did on one of the assistant coaches and he had spun around and when he spun around he had a high ankle sprain but you know the, the way that he did it was was everybody was dying laughing because it was so hilarious well kane just takes the whole you know scenario of the situation, and when we get up in front of the team, he reillustrates the whole situation to everybody. And the, the the assistant coaches on the staff, they have fallen out of their chairs in the top row, <laughs> and just 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 absolutely lost their mind because of what what Kane has done. It's not ever the head coach that gets it. You know, usually it's a position oh, coach yeah. or, or or grad assistant, but he just went straight to Coach Nut and did the whole thing. So it was absolutely hilarious. Um, but. You know, I think a lot of people would say what he means to you would be he's such like a father figure to a lot of people. Uh, you know, this one thing that I took, you know, everybody was asked, well, what's the one thing you took from Coach Nutt, Coach Petrino? You obviously you had Gus Miles on. You had all these different coaches that come through. What's one thing you kind of take it from? And that you, you figure out in a hurry that coaching is a people. It is, it is a people oriented business and it's not your assistant coaches. It's also obviously your players and everybody that surrounds you. But he didn't treat anybody differently. 
you know, if you were a kid, if you were a GA, if you were a coordinator, if you were a position coach, if you were, you know, his, his assistant, Miss Clarinda, for however many years, it was everybody got treated the same, you know, because he truly cared and valued people. Um, and I think when you look at that today, it, you know, it's pretty simple to put it, you know, just treat people the right way. Um, whether whether there's obviously times you guys sit down and have tough conversations, that's treating, you know, treating people the right way. Um, you can do it the right way, but that's, that's the biggest thing that I took away from him was just, you know, it's, it's all about the people in the business. And if we don't have obviously those kids every day, we don't have those coaches and we're not coaching, you know, one of the smartest things I ever did was when I first got the Van Buren job, coach chick took me down and let me talk to Rick Jones for about 30 minutes. And I asked Rick the same question. I said, if you could do, if you could tell me one thing that you've learned and over however many years of being a head coach, I said, what would it be? And he said, Walmart. And I'm like, what's, I don't know, Walmart. I don't, Rick, I don't know yeah. what you mean in Walmart. Like, what, what are we talking about? And he said, you got to be like Walmart. And I said, okay, Walmart makes a lot of money. Like, where are we going with this, Rick? And he said, you, every single person on this planet goes to Walmart. And I said, yes. But he said, and every single person continues to go back to Walmart. He said, make your coaching office or your coaching, whatever sport you are, make it like Walmart where your kids constantly leave, but they constantly want to come back to be around your coaches, to be around each other. And I think that's one of the smartest things, you know, it's, it's very relatable because everybody does, you know, everybody goes on Sunday, buy your groceries. You're always going back week for week for week because they have what you need. It may not be sports specific. It may be in life. It may be a life lesson. It may be you need to push in a certain direction. So that's one of the things that I've taken is, you know, it's a people oriented business, but you'd be like Walmart. Well, and, and I've heard him say that, and that's a great analogy. And he's right because sure. you want, you know, when we talked about summer and we talked about, you know, your planning and all that deal and is, is keeping them hungry to come back. Cause exactly. You lived in the world. You lived in more of a world than a team camp. You know, when I was playing, you know, Brent's dad was coaching you, you, and Brent was probably the same way. You know, that night before the first practice in August, mm-hmm. sitting in your bed, you're, you're a little ner- not nervous. You're anxious. You want to get excited. out there, excited to play. And I think you got to keep that at all times in your program to be successful. When the kid, you know, when just, especially nowadays. Yeah, oh, oh man, yeah. they get some more, more important. Than they can go do whatever they want to do. Yeah. You don't even have to walk in the door. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, let's go with this too. Before we leave here, your former Razorback got two former hog here. This guy's, Dad was legendary coach at University of Arkansas. You've got to watch them a little bit in spring, Bray. You have. We're going to mm-hmm. talk on them a little bit during the year. What's your outtake? You've seen Coach Pittman come in. I see it games all the time. And there's a pride about Razorback football, obviously for all three of you guys and me. I'm just a fan. But what do you think about the Razorbacks, Coach Pittman, where we headed? Coach Eno's coming back mm-hmm. in. Uh, new hires on defense, just, you know, as a alumni, former player, you've been to some practices, went to spring game, just your take. And yeah, I think there's a lot of just ge- real genuine excitement, like Bray Hill on that. That's, but that's who coach Pittman is. You know, he's, he's a blue collar guy that, that fits into the people of Arkansas really, really well. Um, you know, he, he can have real authentic conversations with anybody. It doesn't matter you know, who you are, where you're from, you know, he's, it helps that obviously he was born and raised not too far from here, um, just, just across the state line. But he, that's, I think that's who he is. You know, he's got a lot of similarities in that aspect of coaching up. There's a lot of, there's a lot of similarities there between, you know, how, 
his care is is real and it's authentic um and for the people obviously for his players for his staff and his staff will tell you that i think any of those guys even those guys even if somebody that's left they'll, they'll all tell you the same thing so you look at that and you obviously you mentioned coach coach enos you know i think everybody's excited to see okay what is coach Enos's offense going to look like with kj mm-hmm. you know how much under under center are we really going to see you know how much rpo are we going to see you know how much real true drop back pass or move you know move the pocket are we going to see so you know, you look at all the places Coach Enos has been, one thing I think he's done a, a, an amazing job is, is adapting to the kids that he has. You know, it's not, all right, I'm going to be a pro-style offense, drop-back, I-formation guy everywhere I go. You know, he does a great job, whether he's at, you know, when he, when he was here with, with Austin and Brandon, and he was, he's been at Maryland with, with uh, Tua's brother. And, you know, he's just done a great job everywhere he's gone as far as molding, you know, those, those intangibles that his guys have around his certain players. And then I think, you know, one of the things that they've done as a staff just holistically is recruit really well. I think there's a genuine excitement about you can walk in the door and I think people want to have an interest of coming to play Arkansas at Arkansas, which is obviously what you need at this state because it's very, again, we talked about it high school, you know, wise, it's, it's very unique geographically. Well, geographically in the SEC and in Arkansas, it's even more unique because of the surroundings that it has. And then it being the only major Division One institution in the state, so that's something else. But you're also close to Kansas City, Tulsa, Dallas. You know, you can go down to Louisiana get some kids. So I think he's done a great job of really going in and and having the brand of, of real authentic, you know, genuine to where kids are interested in coming to play in Arkansas. Look, Bray. Yeah, um, no, I, I completely agree with everything. You know, Casey just said it's Coach Enos. Well, I G eight for him. So that's right. Well, so, yeah. Ta- put his Taylor Eaton. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I tell you how he likes his coffee and, and everything. <laughs> uh, so my my beginning of coaching was two years working for him. So I mean, uh, I know I know kind of what he's hit the ins and outs of of who he is and what he does, and it's awesome. So I'm excited about his offense, and like he said, he's gonna he's gonna adapt and and do things to put those guys in positions to to win. So um if those guys will buy into what he's doing i think we've got a shot to be um be all right and of course um the old line coach kennedy does a great job you know, he's, he's a great recruiter i'd go play for him so uh, they'll have they'll have the dudes and, and and they'll have the x's and o's so excited to see what they can put together all right mouth well i'm going to, i'm going to tell you what i'm most excited about from the beginning of sam pippen through the spring game this past april um uh, what I'm most excited about is uh, for the players, uh, the older players that remember what it was like to be Razorback and be be a great team. Casey, you were you were part of some great teams mm-hmm. at University of Arkansas. You were the starting you were the starting quarterback. Bray, you were part of some great teams at the University of Arkansas. Um, my dad was part of great team. 122 in a row in 1964 and 65 and a national championship. Uh, Coach Kim Dameron was part of a great teams playing for Lou Holtz. And we Scott and Reed. Scott Reed. Scott Reed. Scott Reed. Reed. Forgive me. Forgive me. Scott, Scott Reed. Reed. We got to we got to get him right. <laughs> he will he will kill me, right? But uh, I mean, uh, bless his heart. We went th- we went through. Three of the worst years the University of Arkansas should have ever had to go through. Uh, four years. Well, we, Bielema had some good years. We went through the uh, John L. debacle. Then we decided we're going to replace Brett Bielema 
with hammer down the left lane, Chad Morris. He's the only coach I've ever known that's been fired at Allen High School. So that ought to tell you there something. There we go. We, we, we've opened up the can, <laughs> yeah. didn't we? Oh, yeah. We've got, we've got it going yes. now. But now, yes. we, but now we got a coach that wants to be here that uh, his son's not playing at Highland Park High School, and he's not going to watch him play every Friday night. So we, we've got we've got a coach that wants to be here, a staff that wants to be here. And the first year was here, we won three, three and seven. Okay, that was good. The next year we go – Nine and four. That's then this past year, we had so many injuries. Whoa. Six and six ended up on a positive note in the Liberty Bowl beating Kansas. We beat Kansas in basketball too. So Arkansas owns Kansas. Um, and this year I go to spring, I go to the spring game. I tell you what, I was excited to see. First time Jeff was at the game with, and the first time we see KJ run out there and shoulder pads and pants, and he takes off. We look at each other and we say, "He's lost about twenty five pounds. He looks he looks different." About two thirty five. Yeah, yeah. Then the from two fifty five last yeah. year. Uh, then we see your your former Fayetteville Purple Dog number sixteen. Isaiah, Isaiah Satanga, he catches the ball, scores a touchdown. Then a few, then a few plays later, they say, well, let's give it to him on a reverse. That's a good call because I had never found too many people that can catch Isaiah Satanga. He can run a little okay? bit. Okay. <laughs> so little bit. I'm looking, I'm looking forward from a big, a big year from Isaiah just in how are they going to use him? You know, reverses things like that um then i get a look at our uh, running back room i don't know that there's a better running back room in the country got a lot of similarities than, from uh, when about 2006 yes with uh peyton hillis darren mcfadden and felix jones mm. with uh with rocket sanders aj green and De- rashad debenian mm-hmm. it, it reminds you not to put pressure on them, but it does remind you a this lot. This guy's of that like crown on me. He's going off of coaches. <laughs> We're gonna have a lot of fun with this. And then, then you look at their, you look at their defense, and you're saying, "Okay, we're, I believe we're, be, I believe we're better that, I believe we're better there." Um, one big thing that's going to be big on defense is, uh, will Quint, <coughs> excuse me. Will Quincy McAdoo be ready to play this year? Big question at cornerback. But we seem to have got all those questions with some answers out of the portal. And linebackers, we're gonna be a we're gonna be a whole lot, but we're gonna be better at linebacker. I look for uh Chris Paul to become a star. I look. So I'm excited. I'm excited for the I'm excited for the team. I'm excited this year. Can't wait. Um the big question will be will Brent be able to hold it will the mouth be able to hold his tongue about Razorback special teams? Well, uh, okay, you ain't been on here, all right? <laughs> and they said we we did some practice runs. Brent cannot complain about the dadgum special teams 
until week three. That's, that's because, because everybody's got screw-ups. Week one. I, I don't give a flip where you're at. There's yeah. a screw-up on those every time. So Brent is contractually bound. He cannot <laughs> complain about the damn special teams until after week three. And after week three, you can go loose. I'll, I'll give you. I'll let you go. I'll take the reins off. Yes, exactly. <laughs> let Let's end it with this. I meant to ask you this early. Bunch of construction, new field house. Yeah, it, it, I hadn't seen it. I go to the Razorback basketball game. Just looks like a construction site over there. That's what the it time. is right now. And so, talk to us about, and we'll get off here. Is about the. Construct what you're building over yeah. there and what you're adding to your program. So we're building a big, um, we'll call it just an end zone complex for simplistic terms uh, on the south end zone where our, where our football field is. It'll be a three-story uh, building that's being built right now. The bottom floor will consist of um, some visitor concession stands on the west side and then it'll be a, a, a big weight room, uh, kind of our Olympic weight room for all of our kids to use. And then we'll have coaches' offices, locker rooms uh, for our coaches, and then um, – Obviously, our locker room for our players on the bottom floor with with a a vastly updated um, training room, which which we needed um, for the number of kids that we house in that building. And then the second floor will ha- it'll ha- house track and cross country as well, um, some sports broadcasting similar to what we'll be doing. We'll be have a couple of rooms in there, and then the third floor um, will be a lot of meeting room, meeting spaces, classrooms that we can utilize for different sports or banquets or you know whatever we need to. Um, utilize those rooms for in order for our kids. So we, whether it's team meeting rooms and all that stuff. So uh, very, very big building, very awesome building that will be built that will obviously not just affect football, but it will affect a whole lot of sports in our community, kids that don't even play sports and meetings and different venues like that. So that'll be that building. And then where our indoor sits, they're also taking that north uh, towards Clinton Street, towards the university uh, by about, I don't know, an extra 20, 25 yards. They're going to make it two levels. Um, to where that will be able to give baseball an indoor area to pitch and hit inside. It'll have a uh, cheer. We'll have a, a, a big, you know, um, room to where they can rehearse all their performances with mats and stuff they can roll out. And then probably the, the most unique thing is everybody here, everybody in Northwest Arkansas in the springtime, they have a huge – or in their indoor, there's the pole vault pits in there. Um, but they have actually built an area for them to have a runway and have the pole vault pit underneath or off to the side in the indoor to where it's not – in the yeah, way you, you, they have their own space yeah, to where they yeah. can go, you know, with their kids. So it's, it's a, it's a huge project. That's not the only thing, obviously that they have, there's multiple things going on within other school sites and things like that. So they're doing, you know, a really good job in Fayetteville as far as updating facilities where they needed to be. And then it'll be one that a lot of people will come look at and try to model off stuff in the future because of what they're doing. I hadn't seen it just t- talking to, uh, uh, Steve Jansky, your athletic director about also building, an academic center, you know, it testing is. so yeah, big testing. in high schools yeah. and they can go in there a place to test, but also gives y'all an opportunity academically. Absolutely. And it'll, I think the testing room that they have, it'll house over 200 kids to where wow. they can go in there and do any AP testing. They're actually during the day will, will hold um, like two health classes over there pretty much every period of the day as well. So it'll be utilized for a lot of different things throughout the day, not just sports. There'll be people constantly coming and going from there. Well, we're going to end with this break. Tell everybody how to follow us on Instagram and Twitter and, and how to see us on YouTube and we'll end this thing up. Yeah, we'll be on YouTube um, probably tomorrow. Well, I guess this will be live. So we'll be watching it. But we'll be on YouTube at Coaches in the Mouth Pod. Uh, that's our handle. Uh, Coaches in the Mouth Pod is also our Twitter handle as well as Instagram. Um, so follow us, like it, subscribe. Um, and we'll be posting out content as we uh, get interviews, which is I've got, got several lined up. So 
excited but, for this rest of the summer. Coach, we really appreciate you coming, and we want to thank our audience for listening. Uh, what a great interview with you, you, and it's all we have fun with this. Oh, yeah, At the awesome. end of the day, is people ask, "Why are you doing?" We have fun. We're doing the same thing we would do, but we're sitting right here with no microphones, with no microphones. and, and just uh, talking in, in that part of it. Appreciate the audience. Uh, tune in, subscribe, like, and uh, we'll be back. Our next guest will be Houston Nut, which really tight with. Coach Dick, and we're going to bring up your story about the. Uh, you got to tell him. Oh, well, he'll love yeah, everybody. We need, but, to get, we need to get Coach Womack on here and let him tell the story. Oh, It'd be even better. <laughs> yes. It'll be great. Well, thank you. This is Jeff Williams signing off for Brent Bender, Casey Dick, Bray Cook, Coaches in the Mouth. See you next time.